0: These may be challenging times, but have hope and listen to the untold health stories about incredible people who have committed their lives to better their communities. Diverse health activists, direct medical providers, community organizers that are helping our communities to get healthier and stronger. Stories of local heroes during the pandemic and even before that proves over and over again that people can come together during times of need and make the world a better place. Stories you would never hear of, except at Healthcare Untold. Uh, Welcome to Healthcare Untold. I'm Barbara Ann Garcia, and today I have the honor to be with my co-host, Jasmine Nahida, who will be introducing our guest, Maria Elena de la Garza, the Executive Director of the Community Action Board in Santa Cruz. Uh, Welcome to my co-host. So, hi, Jasmine. (laughs)
1: Hi, Barbara. Thank you so much. Um, Maria Elena, thank you so much for joining us today. And before we jump in, you know, what I really wanted to say is how excited we are to support um, creating spaces to really uplift the voices of our leadership um, throughout the country, but more specifically, my passion is here in California and in Santa Cruz County, and specifically Watsonville. Watsonville is an amazing, unique uh, town with a wealth of leadership and potential and amazing individuals that do amazing work. And so, Maria Elena De La Garza is the current Executive Director of our Community Action Board of Santa Cruz County. Maria Elena, we are so happy to have you here today. Mm-hmm. And we really just want to give you the space to kind of talk about what your journey has been to CAB, your experience as the Director, and kind of, you know, talk us talk about the, the response to the pandemic and what has happened with CAB in our community. So, Marielena? The table is yours welcome so much well, thank you so much for joining us
2: thank you for this opportunity jasmine and barbara it's been um it's such an honor to be with both of you to each of you um I, I have had the honor and the the experience of working side by side with jasmine on many many projects through the years and and barbara i've heard uh, i've seen you I, I remember your work locally and you, and like i said you are the legacy of of barbara garcia you have left <laughs> you. such an imprint on this community and we are uh, we need to celebrate the work that you, two powerful lovingness, have done and 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 shifted in this community. So it is an honor to be with you today. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you know, I, I I thought about our our, our conversation today, and and I, and I got to say that I am, um, you know, I I, I sit at, at in the in the chair of being the executive director to Community Action Board of Santa Cruz County, and and with that. You know, I I, I bring to the, this this position so many layers of experience and 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 years of of, of growing up in this community. I'm born and raised in Watsonville. Um, I still get this. I still live in the house I grew up in, right in in the neighborhood, right. Um, and and I, it's such an honor for me to be of service in this community that is my home. Um, I come from, um, just a little bit about my background. Um, my mom is, uh, was from Jalisco, a little ranchito in Jalisco named Apulco. Um, and my dad was at the My dad was from Texas. Um, and just to give you the, 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 time frame of what that might, what that was for us. Um, my dad was born in 1902, it, right? A whole yeah. other generation, Right. And and my mother was um, about 20 or so years younger than he was, um, and they met in in south the southwest and decided. Uh, my father was a customer at a restaurant where my mother cooked. And they fell in love and decided to come to California for better opportunities. And they fell in love with the weather here. Nothing matched Watsonville, California. The weather was perfect.
1: A little cooler than Texas.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit, right? And and so they established our family here and their business. They opened up a restaurant. And so I grew up in a restaurant. Um, and, and I'll tell you that my first interaction with this agency um, is a funny story because, uh, well, not funny, but an interesting story in that uh, Cab used to offer driving lessons, classes for driving lessons in Spanish to women in, in the seventies. And, um, uh, and my mom, uh, my father had passed away and my mom didn't speak English and didn't know how to drive and had a business to keep, to keep moving forward. And so she was a client of cab. She would take me, she would take me to the colision um, that doesn't exist anymore. And I would sit in the back, and there was this wonderful teacher who taught in Spanish. And so my mom learned to drive because of cab. And so for me to, to wow. full circle, right? Full right. circle um, right. to how I love this agency.
1: That's a beautiful. Connection. And I think it's very much in line with, with what we're doing here and kind of coming full circle with yeah. past and current leadership and building those bridges and really creating that network of of connectivity, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. So important. and And so that was my first interaction with CAP. And the second interaction with CAP, I was 16 years old and it was my first summer job. I took, and I always hold my hands like this. I took care of, I was part of a team that took care of the babies of agricultural workers. At 5.30 in the morning, they would drop the babies off at a cab program at the fairgrounds. And I would literally hold babies all day. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful, that's beautiful. You know, that's it's such, such an experience, right? To again, full circle, full circle connection. And I think um, responsibility and love for the community that raised me.
1: Absolutely. So that was when you were 16. That was your first job with CAB. So how did you get from being an employee of CAB to, you know, years later running this organization? What was your why? What really pushed you?
2: Yeah, you know that's a really good question, and I've shared this in community before. Um, I was moved when I was in high school. I was moved by a murder um, uh, uh, that took place locally. Um, there was uh, back in that time. Um, there was a lot of violence uh, uh, in the community, and a week before graduation, one of our friends was murdered at Rams Park, and that was a pivotal time for me. That experience. In, um, in 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 what shaped helping me decide what I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to work with young people and I knew I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. And I knew I didn't want um, violence. I wanted to make a difference in, in youth and violence. And that led me through an opportunity of, of serving in, nonpro- in nonprofit positions for 30 years now, right? It's been 30 years. And mm-hmm. and starting with youth employment programs, you all, you might remember the old C-T- C- the C- C- CETA programs or JTPA yes. programs. Mm-hmm. Um, employment you know, training programs. Yes. yes. The
1: JTPA program yes. was, was how I first met Barbara because we I was the support person for all the youth that we placed in all the nonprofits in Watsonville.
2: I love it,
1: I love it.
0: <laughs> and both of us
1: employment programs for kids as as participants. Yeah.
2: yeah. I well, that was my start too. <laughs> that was my start too, right? Well, the importance, to show how important the importance of
1: employment training for you and the long-term impacts that it could have, right?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And now I see these kids, right? And I'm sure you see them. They're adults, they have children, you know, the, the, to be able to have made an impact in the lives of young people in such critical situations, right? Impacted by violence, impacted by poverty, that, you know, teenage pregnancy, all of those factors that 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 change people's lives, right? Change people's Absolutely. lives. And so, 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 learning and in and, and coming to this work, um, being mentored, um, I think, is an important piece of this conversation because I came to work with a background in restaurant. I knew how to waitress, I knew how to cook, I knew customer service. Um, I I had the opportunity to go to school um, and then needed to find my place in the world. And and I I, I ended up working at a a Latino-based agency in Santa Clara County for 18 years where I got mentored by these amazing Latinas. They taught me how to budget, they taught me how to write grants. they showed me, they had me sit next to them to troubleshoot and brainstorm and really learn the work of community service And, and, and completely, completely prepared me to become an executive director. I didn't know, I didn't know that at that time, you know, I didn't know that that's where I was, that I was gonna end up here, but when the opportunity happened, and I walked through the the door, I felt 100% aligned and ready for this work.
1: That's beautiful. And the power of mentorship because, I mean, Barbara was my number one first mentor besides my own, you know, some of my TS and my family, but I also know, Maria Elena, like that you really give back to folks in the community and you're a big mentor for a lot of younger folks. Thank and so you. thank you for, um, for paying it forward, right? Like we all receive that mentorship, but we also have a responsibility to provide that mentorship and to build those bridges for up and coming folks, right?
2: Absolutely, and it's and it's coaching and it's mentoring and it's also creating systems that is that are going to support the success of emerging leaders and I will say the importance of those systems to support the success of emerging leaders of color, we have to create the infrastructure right? We right. have to create the infrastructure so that I always say when I win the lottery and leave cab, right? That, this, that, 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 that is the culture of the agency and that right. that's not going to
1: change. Right. It doesn't matter whoever comes or goes that those systems are still in place to be able to do the work.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And prepare the next generation of leaders.
1: Absolutely. So, Maria Elena, in your current role as Executive Director of Community Action Board, I mean, I know that Community Action Board looks a lot different than what it looked like in the past, and I'm sure that a lot of that had to do with your leadership, and why don't you talk a little bit about your role and, um, you know, what brings you to work every day, What, what really fulfills you?
2: You know that. Thank you for that question. I, I will say that I'm really proud of the work of the agency. I've been here; it'll be eight years in November, um, and I have seen the agency uh, transform um, from being an, an amazing, strong fiscally strong agency, a service-focused agency, um, to grow uh, in it fiscally, to grow in, in bringing um, new emerging leaders on board and, and reflecting the community that we serve. And, I, and I'm really proud of that. We're community action. We have to be responsive to the needs of the community. And by the way, not just Santa Cruz County, community action statewide and nationally we have to be responsive to the community and i believe in the core of me and research shows us that the best response happens when there's alignment and values when i look like the community that I'm serving, that I understand the culture, that I understand the nuances of what it is to be a Latino in Santa Cruz County, what it is to be a daughter of an immigrant in Santa Cruz County, that matters in how we push the work forward. And so I'm proud that cabinet represents the community that we serve from the government's board, from our board of directors that is over 50% Latino, um, our our board structure that that, includes five low-income voices, five elected official voices, and five industry voices working together to guide our work, it, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. When you are an elected official and you sit next to a farm worker, and the farm worker is sharing their experience around being you know, seasonal jobs and, and the impact of COVID on work hours, and you're an elected official listening to that in the same boardroom, and making decisions together with those voices to guide this agency, that's responsivity, in my opinion, uh, along with, yes. I wanted
0: to ask maria Elena. Um, that's so important uh, in terms of having uh, some of the uh, consumers on your board, yes. um, and do you do some training with the board, because I know at Salud para la Gente we would have patients. Uh, would have to be part of the board and we took time to be able to train, just like your mentors trained you in budget as a governance board, Um, how do you train your board members, so they have equality in terms of the knowledge of how an organization is run.
2: I love that question Barbara and and I want to say that we are relational based. And so for us, success has been being able to build relationships with our board of directors in a way that they feel included and that they feel supported to succeed. And some of that is formal training. Like, for example, September 13th, we have a budget training with the CalCAPA statewide partners. They're coming in to teach us how to read a financial statement. Very, very important. And at the same time, it's relational. When COVID hit, we were on the phone with our board members. Do you need food? Do you need masks? What do you need for your neighborhood? How can we support you? And we are there to help support them on an individual level. That kind of of support and training and modeling, is, is, is you can't pay for that. That, that is the spirit of the agency. And so when people say a nonprofit say, oh, we can't get people of color on our board or, you know, we it's really hard to bring in a client to the board. It, it, then I would say, ask, look inside. How do you build relationships? How do you align with values? And all the other stuff we can teach. Right. All the other stuff. All the other. That's great. That's, that's learnable.
1: And what an opportunity! Express. I'm talk about flattening that power dynamic within the board to have community members yeah. and elected officials, and that must be so empowering for some of those folks to have that opportunity to sit in that room together. So that's a beautiful approach to the board. Thank you, Maria Elena.
2: And and it's it's about being accountable to the community. Right. Right. That's ultimately who community action is. We have a responsibility to respond to what we're learning and what the community is telling us. And those voices on the board and the relationships we have as an agency with our clients help guide the services. That's the other thing about community action. Every two years, we. We engage in an intentional conversation around poverty with our clients, with our stakeholders, with our partners, and we learn about what is the same and what has changed. And then we respond in areas to make us stronger. So let me give you a really tangible example. Four years ago, um, health came up. Our community, we spoke to over, I think it was over 400 people, 500 people who told us that health and substance abuse um, was an area of concern that was impacting their lives. And we took that information among much other data, right, data, um, and we talked about, okay, so how do we respond? And the board decided to create a health seat for the board of directors, that is one direct example of how we respond. And that health seat filled by Jaime Molina, many, mm-hmm. many, both of you probably know, um, has helped us g- gain a perspective, helped us focus our services, helped us direct our partnerships, all in the promise and the accountability and responsibility of being re- responsive.
1: Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, Maria Elena. Um, you know, some of our listeners might might wonder this. You know, the name of, of our podcast is Healthcare Untold, and I'm kind of supporting taking this in a, a another direction, right? But some people might wonder, like, well, what does Community Action Board have to do with healthcare? And what is you know substance abuse have? Why would that Why would that matter to Community Action Board?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. And and we define health very broadly right? We know that a healthy community isn't just about physical health. We know that we know that a healthy community has multiple layers, and poverty is part of that. We know that communities impacted by poverty, we know that there's health risk factors that happen, but we also know that there's social determinants right, of health. We know that where there's poor communities impacted by poverty, there are people with higher blood pressure. We know that there are people who, who need access to food and healthy food. And so it's a holistic picture. Health is not just one dimensional. Health is a holistic picture, including Do I have employment? What is my immigration status, right? Um, How how am I uh, supporting my teens? Um, Do I have emergency services um, to help me get through a bad time? All those indicators impact the health of a person, a family and a community. And so community action, our job is to respond. And we have based on the programs and the services that we've offered through the years.
1: Maria Elena I'm sure that Community Action Board was quite affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, and I'm wondering, you know, how you approach to supporting not only the community members, but your staff and being able to show up and continue to provide that work, because We all know that there was a lot of places that shut down during the pandemic and closed their doors. Community Action Board was not one of those places. You all were out there in the community throughout. So how did you support your staff in such a scary and unknown time to continue to show up and do the work?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think that there's so many lessons learned for CAB and collectively for our community in, in the pandemic response. Um, and I wanna say, you know, um, to think about nonprofit service providers as essential workers, just like this pandemic made, made us acknowledge agricultural workers as essential workers, right? This pandemic, also is making us acknowledge the value of nonprofit service providers. It's just as important as the fireman who runs into the fire, right? these folks at, at our agency and many other agencies um, in our community you know ran into the opportunity to help people right um, and so we pivoted services um we pivoted services from from to, to food distribution services um, to emergency economic relief services and to rental assistance support um to, from gathering diapers for young parents to ga- doing clothes drives for the homeless community people moved into res- urgent response and as you you we understand that takes a toll on our team right mm-hmm. um, and i remember talking about a year ago when we uh we were part of the disaster relief assistance for immigrants program where The state of California identified $74 million to get into communities to help support undocumented and mixed status families. We were one of the selected partners um, across the state to help move that money through. Um, And we had about a week to hire a team of 18 to to create a call center um, to move that money forward. And it happened extremely quickly. And we had to build infrastructure where infrastructure didn't exist overnight. It felt like it was overnight, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I'll give you an example. It was a 1-800 number call center to get rental assistance. In the first hour that that, Phone number went out in the first hour. We got thirty-five thousand calls. Wow, thirty-five thousand, and all the systems <sighs> broke down. The phones broke down. Everything crashed. And th- I share that story to 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 convey the urgency that our staff held. Mm-hmm. And I remember talking about the value of urgency. Understanding that this was a temporary situation, we didn't know what we didn't know, right? We didn't know it was, you know, how long the situation was going to be, but we understood that this was a time for us to step forward, and if it wasn't us, who? Who, who had systems to communicate with the community, that we could speak in their language that we, 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 we hired from within the community and, and we knew we were the best position to, to be of service. Mm-hmm. And so 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 in that response understanding that we have to now and started to a few months back, think about respite, healing and rejuvenation for our teams, right? Baking in days off, supporting our people to take pto right time off mm-hmm. I, you know i have i have a list of who is taking time off who is to max and supporting us as a system to take advantage of our time because we need it we started mindfulness sessions with our leaders. We have one-on-one coaching for mindfulness and rejuvenation. Um, and I'm working on a proposal right now to help strengthen a self-care strategy for my directors and our team to, to help us within the next year. So, so it's got to, it's intentional. Um, is it enough? No, it's never going to be enough. Right mm-hmm. To rejuvenate, it's it's always and it's an endless struggle for us um, to 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 implement strategies for self-care. Um, because it doesn't come easy. I would say not for me, and I would ask you and Barbara, does it come right. easy for yes. you? <laughs> not at all. No. <laughs> but what I found to be really effective
0: was taking showing that I took care of myself. Yes, showing that I took I, you being the example, of how you want your other staff, because they need your permission as the leader to reflect that. So um, that's that's one way I was able to. When during the earthquake in Watsonville, when we did the response, I had our nurse practitioner go and do an assessment on everybody, and I was the first one. She said I had to go home, so you know that that was you know I took I took that advice and I did, and that really taught me the reflection of being the leader in that so that other people
2: had the permission to do that. Absolutely. That is so important. And, and I'll tell you, I love that because it is, it's by modeling, right? It's exactly. by modeling. Right. And and I'll give you an example. Last night, I, it was after 5.30, we're supposed to leave, you know, around five. And and I, And I pushed myself away from my desk because the work never ends, right? And I went to all the doors that were still open with people at their desk. And I just said, push yourself away let's go home mm-hmm. and 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 it's all it's 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 intentional and it's important right it's intentional and it's important thank you yeah. and the reminder of we are the model and we set that's
0: the right i i i'd also would say okay look at my desk and say i'll be back tomorrow <laughs> 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 i promise to be back tomorrow <laughs> ah, la
2: bendición. i'll be back tomorrow <laughs> I love It's that. so
0: important and it's so great that you have set those processes up because you really want, who are we without the staff to go out and do the work, right? Yes. How can we take care of the community? And this is something I think Jasmine is going to be focused on
1: a lot is the care for the caregivers. And Absolutely. I think it's so, so important. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's a, you know, it's one of the things I myself having experienced being in county leadership that, you know, you get to the top as a woman of color and you look around and it's like, there's nobody there to talk to, you know, there's nobody there that you can, um, you know, be real with, right? There's something else sitting in a room with people that look like you that have had similar experiences that there's so many things that just go untold, right? That we just know. But it's really, really hard to be, you know, uh, in leadership as a person of color. Um, And in Watsonville, there's a lot of folks that are leaders of color. And so, you know, I would like to ask a couple of things, but, you know, how is it that you find your support from that group of leadership? And the other thing I would love for you to kind of touch on two things, and one is, you know, the South County COVID response group that came together, which I think is just such a lesson for so many, and how that group came together to do what was best for the larger community, not necessarily the individual organizations, and then, you know, beyond that, like, Maria Elena, how do you feel supported? And what do you need to continue in your role in this leadership position to be able to show up just like your staff need to do? Yeah, yeah.
2: Thank you for that. Um, I, you know, I, I had i liked your two questions and, and make sure I get I answer them, mm-hmm. Jasmine. So, so I had an aha moment this morning um, in, in, you know, in thinking about being a Latina leader of color. Um, and I want to share with you as we as we progress in our conversation, because it just happened this morning, right? I, I went to bed with, with this information and woke up this morning and and it was the I felt the universe telling me this is my my new area that I, for my personal development. Um, so I sit on a group with uh, activists, uh, leaders of color who were brought together to help bring life to the board resolution of racism as a public health crisis. And we're going through storming and norming and trying to figure out what and how, right? And working with the entity that is the, the county and what and how we're going to make that happen. And one of the wonderful leaders um, shared uh, some, uh, 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 some research on, what how white supremacy shows up in our work, and um, it was the first time that I uh, that I've read in detail this the information that was shared, and what it said to me was that I'm a Latina leader of color in a structure that is built on white supremacy, that I don't even recognize it because mm-hmm. I'm just I live it. I'm in it, I've been trained in it, I've been educated in it um, and I respond to it and 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 recognizing in myself that I need to step back and understand how that has impacted me and my leadership and and what I can do to help loosen up our spirits in that structure so that we can so that I can, come to work more fully a whole person. And I I share that because it was an aha to hear that urgency is a construct of white supremacy, to hear that competition, and we know this one very well, is a construct of white supremacy. You know, all these areas that nonprofits function in um, have been impacted by racist oppressive, oppressive systems, right? And so one of the areas that collectively that we need to do, that that we are positioned to do with the South County Leadership Group is to advocate for lessening of those systems, loosening of those systems. And loosening may, is not the right word because that implies less than. Somehow there's a value judgment there. Mm -hmm. that I wanna call forth. But working together as we did in COVID response to fight for the items of equity that include, right? Think about it. The government structures contract with nonprofits because it's cheaper. And so we provide service at a cheaper scale than the government structures, which means I have to pay my staff people less Right, and there is an it's an issue of equity and keeping people in poverty. Right, when this government structure hasn't given us a cola cost of living raise for five years in the government contract, how can I then support the success of my team? And and so this work isn't going to be done in isolation; it has to be done as a, as a collective. Um, and so I just wanted to point that out in this opportunity that I have with these amazing women both of you in in that the work is it needs to continue the work needs to continue you know we know that our service and our work and our our response to the community is just as valuable as 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 other entities and other structures I would probably
0: say more valuable uh, because of this pandemic government who did not have Good relations with their community-based organizations or good relations with communities, or you know, what we found in Watsonville during the earthquake, they couldn't even communicate with uh the community because they didn't have any Spanish speakers. I think the only Spanish speaker was uh was a recreational person that they finally found to, to speak on behalf of the city at that point. That's totally different now. So you can see the change can happen. Um, but it doesn't happen by not moving them and not making the case particularly now and having been one of the historical people working with the county on equity in Santa Cruz I can just tell you it takes advocacy and sometimes it just takes you know that those strong voices to continue and during these kinds of disasters you have to take advantage of that because the community based organizations and I can tell you I interviewed over dozens of community organizations they made the difference they saved the lives they fed the people because government at times could not meet that need and so you're more valuable
2: absolutely that's today I I I I appreciate that, and I think it's true. And 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 I think in the advocacy work of the leaders of color in Watsonville, early on, you know, we we advocated to ensure that Watson because Watsonville was behind. Our Spanish speakers, they were behind. And let me give you examples of that, right? So the communication in English, our English speaking community had masks on, knew where to get masks, had the information. about six weeks before the Spanish-speaking community. And months before the Indigenous language-speaking community. And so, while we have seen gains in, in in people in positions of power being bilingual and hiring bilingual folks, there's still gaps, and we still experience the gaps. And so, we we came together with PVPSA and with Monarch Services and with Salud para la gente, and Community Bridges, um, uh, to 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 advocate for equity and response. Um, and it was ruffling a of course, right? When, when there's a movement, there's agitation around it. And ultimately, it, it allowed for a strengthened relationship with public health, right? Um, we, we created, under PVPSA and Erica Padilla's leadership and Laura um, Segura and Monarch's leadership, this group of, of agencies coming together on a weekly basis to share information, to strategize, to identify gaps, and to move resources forward, which led to a great relationship with public health. They needed mm-hmm. bilingual people at vaccination clinics. Right. Um, they, they, and we created this whole system where our we, we would deploy staff from all the agencies in the South County to be there for the community in partnership with public health. That was a beautiful strengthened um, uh, response. And it's not gonna go away. We're talking about c- keeping the momentum going um, and, and, and creating a force that will keep equity at its focus and accountability to government partners in responding to South County, because you both know there's always a gap. North That's Coast, right. Davenport, right? All right. our families, our farmworker families up there. You know, they, the, 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 if we can talk about that community for a little bit, they were impacted not just by COVID. They were impacted by the fires and the stories, right? right? Farmworkers didn't get didn't evacuate. Farmworkers were picking our Brussels sprouts in that smoke mess and couldn't and wouldn't leave their work posts because they were told by their mayor almost that they should. That is right. to me the 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 epitome of inequities for our Spanish speaking communities. It's not absolutely okay.
1: absolutely. absolutely right. Absolutely. Well oh, Maria Elena, I know that we could um we could spend hours talking about so many different facets of cab. And and I think that actually what I would like to consider us and maybe invite you back at another time where we could really kind of dig into this South County leadership group and even the rise together movement, because there's opportunities now where groups of leaders of color are being valued and uplifted and upheld in our community in a way that, I haven't really seen in a long time and it feels like a very new opportunity so I'm just wondering you know as we kind of start to close this part out if there's anything that our listeners um, should really know about you know what the future of cab what's your vision and I also understand it's hard to hire staff we've lost a lot of staff all over the place and I'm just wondering um how you if you're if you're dealing with that type of issue at CAB and how you're able to continue to do this work with your staff moving forward.
2: Absolutely.
1: And new in the new area of challenges and maybe opportunities. Absolutely. I think
2: you're right. I think that that the Black Lives Movement and the pro-immigrant movement has forced, have forced doors open that weren't open before um and that's exciting to me this is a, a it's a special time in this work right um some one of the leaders shared um this this quote that I'm sure you've heard that we have been invited not only to have a seat at the table but we've been invited to build the table and that is a different it's a different uh, responsibility right it's a different responsibility um and we're all learning what that means right it's this kind of storming phase of how we work together in this area i think what's in the future of cab is continued response we're not over this pandemic yet and the communities that we serve are not on par in recovery we are still our families still need economic relief there's a huge um, shadow debt that has happened with people borrowing to pay their rent to pay for food to pay for living and surviving in this time that has left people with debt that, that they didn't have before and so the economic relief of the community is still needed and I'll tell you the community has stepped up in ways that have been astonishing right donations and supporters have happened and and I want to say it's not time to stop. It's time to continue to support the work. Big things and little things. Hire a day worker call the the number and hire the day worker to come in to help you, right? Because that was a a community um, that has been severely impacted in terms of being able to bring in revenues to support their families, right? Jobs disappeared. So hire a day worker.
1: What number would that be for folks to call?
2: 831-476-WORK, W-O-R-K. Find us online at uh, the Day Worker Center of Santa Cruz County and you can Facilitate. It's no contact. You make a phone call. You put in a, a an application and someone will respond to you. Um, and we are the job matcher. The the, the, the homeowner, the entity is the, the employer. And the um, day worker is the employee. And we help negotiate and make that match. Um, and so that's a, a tangible example, right? Hire vendors of color. Um, um, if you're a government agency or a foundation, include equity metrics in your in your request for proposals understand that we need to to lift our wages up for our nonprofit workers and we need colas and we need a plan for that um and so in terms of cab we're going to keep responding we're going to keep talking about and elevating the voices of our people and right now one of the things that we're concentrating on is supporting our indigenous language speaking community and being responsive to their needs and learning they're they're the furthest away from the systems and i'm not blaming in the community, I'm blaming the systems. And so how do we change the systems to be more responsive? And so that's the work that we're focusing on right now and into the future and, and continuing to learn and engage in with the communities that we serve.
1: That's beautiful, Maria Elena. We, Excellent. Um, thank you so much for sharing a little bit of this afternoon with us to share your work and your story. And you're just such a, a gift to our community and you are so valued and you are so appreciated and know that even if you don't see that community, we are here and we have your back and know that we always support you and the leaders here. And so on behalf of healthcare Told, thank you so much, Maria Elena de la Garza. Thank you,
2: Maria. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. And I will take you up on the offer to share our work and talk about what's happening in Watsonville. Thank you for elevating the work that we do and the voices that need to be heard. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Healthcare Untold.